Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You once again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know Just what you have done Good evening and welcome to the Stop Child Abuse Now show. This is scan number 3222. That's 3222. Uh, tonight we're going to have Pastor Deborah Schleck with us. And uh, we'd love to have uh, the pastor on when she has, uh, I think it's about, at least uh, once or twice a month she comes on. And that's really good. So tonight what we're going to do is have a, a Q&A. That's a question and answer type of discussion with a survivor professional. Now, I won't be hosting tonight, but um, Victoria is here, and what I'm going to do is read the mission statement, and then Victoria can take it away. Okay. We have a singleness of purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect, and we do so from two different ways. And number one is educating the public especially as related to getting society over the taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting the facts that show child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. Number two is offering hope for healing to numerous pairs and providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Okay. So I'm going to sit back now, and Victoria, you can take it over. We also have Philip here. So we have Victoria, we have our guest, and we have Philip. Go ahead, Victoria. Go ahead. Okay. Well, thank you, Carol. And uh, so again, we're on scan number 3222, and this is a question and answer call and discussion with a survivor professional using an open mic forum. Um, we feature a survivor professional co-host who will field topics brought to you um, from the listener. Uh, tonight, our special co-host is Pastor Deborah. Well, you, I can't say her last name. Who grew up all over the world in a military family where her mother had mental uh, health issues and is now a survivor professional. Living in uh, Pensacola, Florida, she is uh, trained in ministry, mental health, working with substance abuse, and is trauma-informed social worker, all in one. She volunteers with many community organizations. Pastor Deborah says she can minister by text, phone, Skype, in person, and however the Lord directs her 24-7. She teaches that humans have three parts, being of spirit, soul, and body, physical body, and believes that all three are important, and that each are 
in need of care. Um, we look forward to Pastor Deborah being an active member of the NASA family, and she's been with us for a long time. On these episodes, we welcome various co-host survivor professionals who assist in fielding questions and lay a variety of topics suggested by our column participants. Their trauma-informed perspective as survivor professionals will help guide uh, these discussions on the issues of child abuse, trauma, and healthy human sexuality. And everyone is uh, invited to engage in tonight's show, and we would like to invite you um, to visit the NASCA, which is N-A-A-S-C-A.org website, and we have like 40 programs on there that we uh, like to uh, let people know are there because there's a whole bunch of information on that website for people. And I just want to remind everybody that all these episodes are recorded and archived. So that means we have 3,222 shows after tonight that will be archived and uh, available for people to listen to um, at their convenience. So uh, welcome, uh, Pastor Deborah. And uh, do you have a topic tonight? Uh, No, um, not in particular. I'm open to questions, but... I can probably think of something that's happening. <laughs> okay. Why don't you introduce Philip since he's there on the line? And yeah, maybe... hello, Philip. We got you on the hello, line. Everybody. Um, hi. Um, do you have any ideas for a topic to start out with? Great format. Yes, I do. Okay, and what was that? Gratefulness. Faithfulness. Pastor Deborah? Faith, uh, did you say faithfulness or gratefulness? No. With a G. Huh? With a G. With a G. With a G. Okay. And what do you want to know about gratefulness in adult survivors? How to, and How to express it. Okay. Okay. That's or a how good... To, yeah. Okay. I'm going to take it into two realms. One, inside yourself. And the second realm, outside of yourself. A lot of people talk about um, healing, say, the inner child. Uh, In mental health counseling, we do a lot of inside work in our soul, thoughts, imaginations, feelings. And then we express out to others, or maybe even in a painting or a song, what is a feeling, gratefulness is a feeling, but it's also an attitude, it's an action. So first, uh, you have to understand it. there is an internal, internal gratefulness that has to be in uh, yourself. And what I mean by that is because I believe we have a spirit and a soul, your spirit has to get that information. What does being grateful mean? Is it meaning being thankful, happy, joyful? So a lot of times when I teach, we're going to pull out the dictionary. We're going to look up that word. We're going to look it up in the Hebrew, the Greek, and in Webster's Dictionary. Before you can really get an understanding of one word, you have to do some research. You have to look up the word great and then full, which is uh, the ending. So we would go there 
and inside of yourself, how it's supposed to work, is your spirit is supposed to get this sort of gratefulness that it can mean I feel good about myself because I'm a great, loving, kind person. It could be that. Or it could be I am very thankful to somebody else, so I'm grateful and appreciative of them and what they've done for me. So your spirit will get that information through study, through teachers. Then how it's supposed to work is your spirit then transmits or transfers that feeling, that thought, those ideas, which it could be I need to be grateful to, also means thankful, to something outside of myself. But I also need to look at myself and be thankful that I'm still here that I'm still, you know, alive, then you transfer that information to your soul. And your soul goes, oh, I feel that. I need to be thankful for somebody who's helping me. I need to be grateful that I'm loved. And maybe we express that. We can, Some people are, are good talkers. Maybe we do a drawing, we do a painting, we do music, we bake food, we make uh, dinners. Uh, maybe we wear a T-shirt that says, I'm blessed, or or be a blessing, something like that. So it is an action. It is a thought. It is a feeling. It's in both realms. Well, really, three realms. Uh, it can just be inner talk. It can be uh, talk within yourself. It can be, I need to express out to somebody, okay, with a hug, uh, which is sometimes you get a smile through your physical body so it can be used. So it is a form of uh, thankfulness. It is a form of expression, communication. Sometimes it's done with just through your eyes. Sometimes it's just done with a slight smile, your body. So those people who have had sexual abuse as children, they, believe it or not, the child in the spirit wants to thank somebody, maybe a savior that stopped it, wants to give somebody a hug, uh, but doesn't know how to do it. Some of these things have to be learned. When you sit as a, we'll say, a student, a disciple, this is all from a lot of martial arts I had to learn, is your master teacher, which used to be our mamas, they would teach us through examples in the family how to be loving, kind, thankful, grateful, maybe to the father for working, making the money to buy the food, to brothers and sisters, uh, things like that. So it is uh, all a lot of different meanings, but usually what happens with survivors They don't know how to say to themselves, I'm grateful that I'm still here. I am thankful and grateful that I didn't die. Somebody up there must love me. My life is not the best. But I am grateful that I'm alive. And that usually has to start inside before you can really express it truly through your physical body and your words. And if you ever study artists, 
They talk through their painting or musicians through song, but they don't talk a lot. You won't hear much out of their mouths. They're very reflective, self-reflective people, inner thinking, and they express through their artwork. So in sexual survivors, it's a way of saying, I'm okay, you're okay, sort of like that. Does that help you, Philip? Yes. Got another one for us? Keeping your word. Okay. Can you elaborate, please? Mm -hmm. Sure. What happens if you've been sexually abused? You have felt betrayal. Your mother said, I love you, and she allows you to be abused. Your father says, or your brothers, I love you, we're family, and you get abused. They didn't keep their word. You don't know exactly what that means as a child, but you felt betrayal, rejection, okay? Now, inside what's going on, okay, a lot of people will say in spirituality, which I do a lot of work, they'll say to themselves, God, you didn't protect me. You didn't keep your word. So I'm turning from you to something else, even to my <clears throat> myself. Out in the world, a lot of children feel um, that the policemen who rescue them from a situation kept their word. But then they get into court, and the lawyers and the judges who ruled against them gave them back to their parents, you know, blah, blah, blah. You didn't keep your word. Children and adults are always looking, can I trust you? Is your word good? I've been tested by this, by uh, people. They wanted to find out if this God that I served and I could keep our word. And the story is this young man named Isaac. He was going to go to a satanic meeting. And in order for him to live, he was going to have to sacrifice his son. I said, that ain't going to happen. He said, you can't stop me. I said, oh, yes, I can. And through prayer, through spiritual work, I was able to stop his hand in midair. To prove to him that what I'm telling him about the love that I offered, the power that that love had, was more powerful than what he was serving. Okay? People trust when you back it up with deeds. Or, you know, you can, because we're all used to hearing, I love you. Yeah, right. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, I know about that. Okay. So even love is tested. Whether we can back it up. Then you trust it. What does love mean? To a child being abused, they hear, I love you. This is our secret. You know, I love you, okay? And the child is feeling betrayed, rejected, can't trust anybody, can't trust themselves. And so you have a big mess. So it really takes somebody who understands what that is. A lot of mental health counselors aren't trained and how to help a client, that's what they're called, patient, learn trust. We we took some classes when we were doing group work, and you would fall backwards and somebody would catch you. You had to learn and understand what trust was. And there's been so much betrayal in, in spirituality. Not only have, we'll say, a pastor, a priest, a church worker, an imam, somebody like that, 
betrayed you, your parents, the system, uh, God, Jesus betrayed you because it happened. And But at the same time, the child does not know that inside of them is God who created the DNA that got perverted, had a system. So when the child is being sexually abused, they'll leave their body, they'll disassociate and create another one. And he is protecting the core spirit. It might remain a baby. Now, they don't know that. I know that, but they don't know that. And they don't know that about him for a long time. Now, in mental health counseling to perform healing, helping the survivor regain trust in other people is one thing, in systems like the legal system, the police system, trust in love again, trust in sharing their feelings, even trust in the sexual uh, act between people. Uh, And then some people can't trust themselves to be parents, afraid that they will hurt their children. So there's all sorts of levels, relationships, where um, people have, the trust has been broken, it's been backed up, it has been, uh, what's the word, um, supported by unloving things, and the child... uh, over its lifetime, it's, I can't, I'm trying to think of the word, you sort of get reprogrammed, uh, a trauma comes, and you might just call out in your dreams or call out silently and nothing stops. So once again, you, are pro- you prove to yourself you can't trust anybody. Nobody can help you. And you're all alone. So, you know, you go from one thing where I can't trust, to, I have to take care of myself because I'm the only one that I can rely on and trust to take care of myself. And whatever I need to do to stay alive and be safe, I will do that. And in, I worked with a, a group up in New York City uh, for uh, street kids that were um, into homosexuality and stuff. And a lot of the young street kids, the boys especially, They'll have what you call survivor sex. And what that was is they were trying to just find a place to sleep at nighttime, you know, off of the streets in New York. And to them, in their mind, they were taking care of themselves. They would perform this to get a bed to get out of the the, the weather. And they thought it was a good thing because they were caring for and could only, and they didn't see what they were doing. You know, this is my life. That's what I do. But I'm taking care of myself. And i got a bed to sleep in. So I'm a good person to myself. So in adult survivors, we end up, we don't, you don't trust anybody. You don't trust systems. You don't believe anything. You trust yourself. And that's about it. Does that help, Philip? That helps a lot. Any other Thank questions you. or thoughts? Uh-huh. Yeah, I have no. I have a comment. Yeah, go ahead, Victoria. No, I didn't want to stop you, but um, I have a comment on uh, gratitude because uh, I always try to say I have an attitude of gratitude, and when my day starts getting going really bad, I have to like stop myself and and literally make a purpose of trying to find something to be grateful for. 
and be it, you know, um, I've got a tree growing in my yard and I can sit under it and there's, you know, shade. Um, I've got a bed to sleep in. I'm not homeless. Um, just, you know, the simplest thing. Sometimes the simplest things can be the greatest if, you know, you're appreciative of it. And uh, I sponsor people in the program of AA and NA and Al-Anon. And, you know, they'll call me up and they'll just be complaining about this, that, everything else. And I basically tell them, too, the same thing. I tell myself, stop, you know, um, think of three things you're grateful for. I ain't got nothing to be grateful for. And I said, well, I'll give you the first three things, food, shelter, and clothing, you know, if I know them. And uh, um, write them three things down. And then every day write three things down that you're grateful for. And I said, you know, throughout the day you can find three things to be grateful for. And uh, I had one lady come into Al-Anon, and she said she's been in Al-Anon for 45 years. And when she came in, her sponsor told her to write down three things she was grateful for every day. She said she did that for 45 years, and has never repeated one thing on that list. And I said, that's a lot of gratitude, <laughs> if you think about it, you know. Um, but it does add up. It adds up, and, and like I like how you said it, you know, it, it uh, um, reinforces, you know, not only in your mind – that, you know, there are good things out there, but also in your your spirit, which does affect your body, you know, because I agree that all three mm-hmm. work hand in hand. And yeah. well, how it's supposed to work. Okay. How that? And I also okay. want to you know, one more thing, which was okay. uh, the, love, the love message. Um, to me, love always meant I owe somebody something. If they said I love you, it meant, okay, now what do I owe them? You know, that was my mm-hmm. automatically yeah. mindset response, yeah. you know. And because uh, that's always what it meant my whole life, you know. And I believe mm-hmm. the only reason I was put on this earth was to sexually satisfy men. And that was mm-hmm. my purpose. That's why I thought yep. God put me on earth. So it took a long time and a lot of therapy and a lot of support from other survivors, especially. And that's why I like the NASCA family because, you know, we we learn um, these things through other, you know, survivors and other people, you know, but, but to just trust somebody right off, because I used to just be like, you know, give my trust and give everything right away off in a relationship. And I've learned that, you know, people, people have to uh, earn my trust. I don't just give it away anymore, you know. Um, it happens a little bit by a little bit over time where you trust somebody, but you know, I didn't trust myself, like you mentioned with the parenting thing. You know, I didn't feel like I could parent my kids. I didn't feel like I could take care of myself physically, emotionally, spiritually. And I just kept going in a downward spiral down, spiral down a rabbit hole, you know. And my mental health was horrible, taking care of my physical needs, not, not, almost non-existent. And uh, I didn't know how to stand up for myself. And all those things can be learned. I want to let people know that this is not, you know, hopeless. And that's, I guess, what I wanted to say on those topics. That was a good comment there, Miss Victoria. Okay, Philip, what was, you wanted to say something? Um, no, I don't have anything to say. Okay. Yeah. What she was talking about is... 
in the mental health world of healing, you, your soul is trying to help itself to be grateful, like what she said. Remind yourself, soul, of 30 things you're grateful for. In spiritual work with a pastor, all of that comes from the spirit, which comes from higher up, to the soul. It's in its spirit to soul. King David in the Bible would do this. There would be days when his family is trying to kill him, they're trying to take over his throne, and his soul was downcast, fearful, sad. Nobody loved him. So his spirit would say to his soul, this is all inner work, soul, why are you so downcast today, so sad? Come with me. Let us go into the presence of the Lord up onto the high mountain, into the temple, and worship the Lord, and give him gratefulness and thanksgiving. Okay? Now, what Victoria was telling us is how mental health counselors work from the outside in. Your soul is trying to help itself feel better through many different ways. It does work. But what happens is your spirit's not ever touched by what your soul does. Okay? For a long time, your spirit is married to, it's encased in the soul, it is affected by the spirit, the, the spirit's affected by the soul. But what happens is for that transformation, that healing, out of being, having the mental, the soulish thoughts, behaviors, memories of an abused child, the spirit must come to the soul and say, we're going to heal that. It's inner work that's going on. The outside comes in like, what, Victor, I have a house, I have shelter, I have food. Some people don't have that. They're homeless. And what happens is they're relying on natural things they can see with their five senses that's happening to their physical body, and their soul is going, well, I have this, therefore I will be happy. It doesn't last. The change doesn't occur. So I had to learn there's a deeper work when you work on the inside with the spirit The spirit has to get knowledge, information. And how it would be is the spirit would be like the husband, the protector, looking at the helpmate, the soul. And it would say, soul, you're the weaker one. I'm to help you. I've got some information. I'm going to comfort you. We're going into the spiritual presence. We're going to listen to a song. We're going to go into prayer. I'm coming to help you, helpmate. This is biblical, how it's supposed to be. Where the helpmate, the soul, cannot help the spirit. Because they're in two different realms. So there's the outside work that's real important. It does work. Victoria said it does work. And you can, over a lifetime, you know, change your thoughts in your mind, change your feelings, and get some healing. But that never affects the spirit. And I have to live with, upon your earthly death, I got something left, the spirit. 
And the spirit is more powerful if it can get healing. This one young lady I work with named Candy, precious lady, high queen in a an occultic uh, family. She had created a young, she was about three years old. They do test with children in that area, looking for the gift. Can you cre- Can we put you in a black hole with snakes and stuff? Can you survive by creating multiple personalities? They for- Some people can and they survive. Others can't. And so they're looking for the gift is what it's called. Do you have the gift? Candy at about three years old, she needed a protector spiritually. She created a part of herself, a young teenager named James. I ran into him when I'm talking to her. And James would protect her, which is really herself spiritually, 24-7. So she, as a three-year-old, turned her protection, her trust, her reliance on James. When I met James, he was tired. Sexual survivors, they get tired. Their emotions, their feelings, their mind, they wear out. So I said, James, aren't you tired? And that was her voice. But it was him. It was her created multiple personality part. Wouldn't you like to take a rest and let somebody else be Candy's protector? Uh, watch over her while she sleeps, spiritually. He said, I don't know anybody that can do it because I don't trust. Candy was telling me, I can't trust anybody. Spiritually. Nobody. So I got to protect myself. So I'm going to create this mean young teenager, James. I said, how about we let Christ Jesus come in, help Candy for 24 hours, and see if he could be a good protector, you know, and Candy would be okay with it. And he says, well, I don't know about this guy. I said, well, why don't you go ask Candy? So James went off, but it's really Candy. Candy went and had a meeting with herself, and he came back and said, yeah, Candy said it would be okay for me to take a rest. Well, Candy was saying, I'm tired. I will give this other guy, who I don't really know, 24 hours, and I'll see how he does. Okay? This is all, this is deep stuff going on. 24 hours later, I come back. I said, okay, James, how was it? Oh, yeah, 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 he's all right, he's all right. And I said, well, what does Candy say? Well, yes, she she felt safe. It's her spirit. I said, well, would you like to take a rest? And so I'm asking Candy, do you want to give up protecting yourself and just trusting yourself? And I let this guy who's supposed to be there, she believed in him, be your guard, your protector, you know, and take care of you spiritually. She said, yes. So I did a prayer. James is gone, and Christ was there. He won't take the position unless you're willing to give up something. So in mental health world, it's different. As Victoria said, you learn to say, what are you grateful for? And, uh, you know, some people say, well, I'm still alive, you know. I may not have a house, but I'm still here, and I'm not dead, and I'm not crazy. So I'll be grateful for that. That's outward stuff. Is that important to your soul? Yes. Learning to be thankful for what the little things, okay, is important. But deep inner work that I had to learn how to do was that work with a a spirit who was asleep most of the time 
but had created James as a protector because there was nobody else, okay, spiritually. And so I had to learn all this while I'm sort of transforming. So gratefulness is in the spirit realm and in the natural realm, and it is an important part of healing. Did that help you, Philip and Victoria? Yeah, I I agree that we need something stronger than ourselves. I also want to say, though, that all of us who are survivors, our spirit has kept us going. Because sometimes I look back and I go, how the hell did I make it through? Mm-hmm. And there was some little spark within myself that mm-hmm. kept me going during unbearable unthinkable times, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. It's like, you know, there. I just, you know, want everybody to know that, you know, just just surviving is an amazing feat to get to this mm-hmm. point where you're out. And even beyond that is reaching mm-hmm. out for help. You know, um, it's not an easy thing to do for anybody mm-hmm. um, who, like you said, has hard, only themselves. The Okay, how that works is the spirit usually is in a trance, in a deep sleep, locked in a dungeon, blind, deaf, and dumb. It cannot reach out in any way. I just have to be able to hear the thoughts that are so fearful. The soul now, okay, it will reach out pleading through the eyes and not say anything. It will reach out with tears and not say anything. It might go to places hoping somebody will speak to them. And so the whole system is trying to reach out. And I had to know without anybody saying, help me, or without anybody going, I had to know they were reaching out. I had this one, um, Amanda, she was another girl. She wrote me a lot of wonderful poems and stuff and stories. They'll all be on the YouTube channel. She talked about we can't talk. We can't say anything. And then when I worked with heavy metal music uh, musicians, they're talking to us through their tattoos, their songs, the type of music. Artists, you know, when they paint pictures, they're talking to us. They're expressing spiritual things. They're talking. Artists. Everybody is speaking. Non, I had to I, in master school. I had to do nonverbal communication. I had to write a paper, but people aren't listening. Somebody wears black fingernail polish. It's talking to me. They wear their clothes. They wear their hairstyles. The music they listen to. Women d- dyeing all their hair different colors. They're talking to me. They're using their clothes. They're using their outer garments. They're expressing themselves. They can't tell me that. But I have to know that they're talking to me. I have to be able to hear with ears, and they're not speaking. Now, mental health counselors don't do that. They just, you know, what you say in the the counseling thing. The AA and the uh, groups that you went to, Victoria, it was originally based on your, your higher power is Jesus Christ. It was Christian. It wasn't Hindu. It wasn't Buddhist. It wasn't Islamic. It wasn't Scientology. 
It was Jesus Christ and the power of him and his love is the only thing that's going to get you through this and save you and change your life. Now, that got changed over the years when the non-Christians got in there. They just call it a higher power, you know. But what they, what I love about the AAs and the NAs and the Cocaine Anonymous and all that is you finally realize, <laughs> I need a higher power, something besides me mm-hmm. to help me, heal me. I need right. some kind of group of people that will unconditionally love me. They will also help me be responsible. They'll make sure I get to the meetings. They will guide me. They will be with me. That trust is getting rebuilt. I can feel love without being hurt. I will accept an arm around me without being knowing they're trying to have sexual contact with me. So those peer groups are vital. People start in the soul, start getting healing. And the 12 steps that people work through now, in a lot of mental health, okay, there is no 12 steps when you go in to deal with depression, anxiety. There's no 12 steps for multiple personalities. Very few masters level deal with dissociative identity disorder or psychiatric issues. Unless you've been in a psychiatric hospital and, uh, you know, been around those and seen the extremeness of it, okay, and seen people. I've taken guns off of people in church, machetes. I've dragged them to the altar. I have been accosted by juvenile delinquents, and all I had was to back them down was, was the strength of my voice and my love. Been there. Most of your mental health counselors have also had some kind of childhood trauma, have not been healed by it, have not sought counseling. One of the things I loved about the early psychiatrists was you weren't going to go into psychiatry till you laid on a sofa for about three years and you did psychoanalysis on yourself because you can't help anybody unless you get through some healing yourself. You could be a good, wonderful medical doctor and understand the body, but they would make those early psychiatrists do psychoanalysis. You laid there on the sofa and you talked to somebody before you went into it yourself. They don't do that with mental health counselors. So sometimes you get one who's had issues themselves or they're younger than you. They've not been abused They may have memory problems or dissociative identity, and they don't know it. And you trying to get healing, you know, they're going to work with your thoughts, your feelings, help you explore yourself. Some of them do hypnosis, which they're going into the subconscious. Some of them do imagery, try to picture this happening again, okay, or whatever. And there's a lot of different schools of thought. Spirit works different. But, you know, that kind of thing. So it is important that a, a survivor or somebody who's been abused realize there's many areas that need healing. And there's many different ways and there's many different sources that they can get that from. Do you have any other questions, Philip? Or you want to make a comment? Um, where would you start? Huh? Where would you start if you were me? Well, you've already started 
because you're already connected to me. Okay. Okay. And it, even though you have a lot of good, valuable questions, typically what I do with people, I go, honey, you need a mama in your life. That takes you back to the very baby food, which is agape love. You just need to be loved. Okay? When I worked with my men in the occult, I mean, they were 60-year-old counts from Europe, men, uh, just horrible, uh, hardcore business people and just human trafficking, bad people, bad people. I started them off just being, I'm going to be your mama. All you need for a while is nothing but love, words of love. You need to feel comfort, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, Therapists, they aren't going to love you in that manner. Then, just as a child needs to hear, they need to have what you express. I need some proof to what you're saying. I had to prove this love that I had to this young man named Isaac. He said, we understand it's here. We understand there's some power to it because we can feel it. We can feel your prayers. But we can't touch it yet. We can't talk about it. We can just sort of feel it. But And, and what he, his poem he wrote called Love is Here, he said, we will eventually learn that love, the kind I was offering in Christ Jesus, could heal them. Okay? That's working spirit, and the spirit helps the soul. Now, the soul was all multiple personalities. Again, I'm dealing with dark stuff of spiritual nature. Okay. Bad things that most people don't believe in. So what happens is, first you have to just receive, I would call it like being a baby, the milk of the word. God loves you. You got a mama that loves you. No matter what you've done, it, it, it's, it, we ain't going to talk about that. You're just going to be a baby. And you're going to drink in the love. You're going to hear words that somebody loves you unconditionally. No matter how bad you've done, what you've done, uh, it doesn't matter. And, that, and for love's power to start working, it has to be felt. Like Victoria was saying, she got that in her groups, her peer support groups. But all of that did not touch the spirit. The spirit can touch the soul, but the soul doesn't really bring its stuff. So what happens is, especially for boys, they're a lot harder. Because the betrayal for a boy from its mother, it the mother in the natural, would provide for the soul and the spirit the anchor of everything. If you're anchored in love, in your soul and your spirit, you can weather any storm. You can go through anything because you know you're safe, you're protected, okay? Bad things can happen, but you're still loved. What most children end up doing They get betrayed. They feel rejection. And then they go, you don't love me. I'm dirty. Your actions or your lack of actions show you don't love me. Now I'm dirty. I'm tainted. I've been had sexual stuff, whatever. 
I'm not clean. I'm not pure anymore. You don't love me. We'll always go back to that. And it's a feeling that the spirit and the soul have. I'm not loved anymore. Nobody wants me. I'm damaged goods. So somebody with a voice has to come in. And they have to be in your life. I do a lot on social media, on comments, on LinkedIn. Uh, couldn't You're not trained to do this in mental health counseling. Okay? See, I have to know you are a, a, in the system. You're like a patient to a doctor. There's boundaries. There's ethics. But through my voice, I have to be able to express a, a holy love that's not sexual. I have to be able to bring calm to your war that's going on. And slowly over time, your spirit and soul will begin, because it feeds on that, to believe that you're loved. Okay, just that. Then from that, you start believing it. And then you want more. Just like a child in the natural, a little baby, they they take a bottle or the breast, and they fall asleep, content, peaceful, feeling safe. And that is what the soul and the spirit are trying to find, that anchor. Once that's there, and when I spiritually adopt everybody, then I have a, they give me the right to speak into their life. And they sort of become my child. I've worked with 80-year-old men. I've worked with kings of Europe. I've worked with Supreme Court judges, doctors, lawyers, spiritually, business people. Now, I don't talk to anybody about it. I could see, I might know somebody and see them in Walmart, and I never say a word to them. I'm not going to embarrass them. I'm not going to walk up to him. So how healing comes is through love. The love starts restoring to the person. And I've worked with this one lady we were doing deliverance work on. And I had this ability through the gift of discerning a spirit. Spirit, I could see into the realm of the spirit. I could see their spirit. They were trapped in a dungeon. A prison cell. We, oh, I opened the gate, the door, and they were too afraid to come out. I'm sitting right in front of them, knee, knee to knee. She's crying and crying and crying. I said, sweetie, it's okay. Come out. You're free. Come out. And she couldn't come out. She was too afraid. I said, that's okay. I will come in there to your dungeon with you. I will sit there and hold your hand. You will feel the love. You will get your strength. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm with you. I'll stay with you. And I had to do this over and over with these people, especially with boys, because they are the most hurt because the mama rejected them, abandoned them, betrayed them. Total lack. Their anchor was never set. And they're just floating up there in the, the rafts and the waves and stuff. And they, they, they didn't know what to do. And through my training in the spiritual pastoral work, I knew what they needed. Mental health couldn't provide it. 
They could you were a client, not a child. You were just a you know, paid money. I did everything for free. So how gratefulness starts coming in, how to be loved first. Peer to peers can bring in that love. Bill got it. Okay? Because Bill will tell you Catholic priest did some abuse with him. He was in a pure AA group with all men. Do you think he trusted them? But he said he, these men loved him, not for sex. And he started feeling the love of another person, uncondemned, with no, like Victoria said, she felt like she was here to service men. So it takes the power of love over a long time for walls to break down, for the soul to feel better. Like Victoria said, you have to help other people. She could do it because she got the help. How to be grateful because love was coming in. Because somebody, a sponsor in there with Victoria, was reaching out in genuine love a little further down the road, that I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to help you walk this walk. Mental health counselors don't do that. Go ahead. Okay? You you can't call me in the middle of the night. Go to the hospital. Oh, you know, I'm t- going on vacation. Uh, You know, I'm closing my shop, moving out of town. So the client is never anchored. And because medicine has come in to deal with the biological brain and all of our chemicals, which get out of whack, they're more reliant on that. And they kind of leave you to the pastors and the churches and your friends, and, you know, you spend more time out there. And the church really isn't prepared for this because the pastors don't study this. And... um, we were in mental health work. We were told that you know one out of four people had mental health issues, childhood traumas. Now let's throw in. I was telling uh, Carol all these storms that have just happened. It tra- re-traumatizes people, traumatizes the kids. COVID. Okay, uh, death is near, and uh, I had to learn how to love the most horrendous. Wicked people that you could imagine. And I had to love them with the love that was not of mine. It was beyond me. My words had to express it. I talked to them on the phone. I talked to them in emails. I had to go into worlds I had never been into. with bad stuff. And I had to look at everybody with eyes of love. And how I got there was I was uh, in a praise and worship time in a church, and I got asked by the Holy Spirit what was the desires of my heart. I said, I wanted to be a spiritual mother to these people in a cult, Satanism, witchcraft, heavy metal music, homosexual, every abused child, every gang leader, every cartel, every human traffic person. And I want to turn their hearts to the Father. And he said, it is done. Right then I was anointed to be a spiritual mama to the worst of the worst, the ones nobody wants to touch. But they'll say, you know, throw, lock them up, throw away the keys. Now, I wasn't brought up in that in mental health counselor. I was brought up in the military to go sit tough these friends. 
no matter how bad they were. I'm a special ops, Navy SEALs, Army Ranger. Put me behind the enemy line. Send me out there the worst stuff. And I'll love them. And love would do its work and be the anchor. So if they were in mental health counseling, the mental health counseling would be stronger in their soul. Their spirits. Everybody leaves their body. Everybody. Can I interrupt you there, Pastor Deborah, and ask you... Um, uh-huh. You, you uh, put on your introduction that um, people can contact you 24-7. So um, they do. what ways can people contact you? Because um, I know that there's people out there that would be uh, greatly appreciated of well, what you're doing. Thank you. And probably right okay. now is a good point to let us know the ways to contact okay. you. They can call me on the phone. I, I do stay up late. I watch a lot of dramas, a lot of history. On my phone number, they can email me at Pastor Deborah at agapeloveishere dot org and get on the YouTube channel and make could, comments could on you the spell video. That? Could you spell that? So yeah, A G A P E L O V E agapeloveishere dot org. That's one of my emails. Uh, my phone number, which I think you guys have. Um, I also do a lot on LinkedIn. I'm, uh, people comment on the videos I make, and I com- I've been working with a precious young man named Chris. He's having trouble with uh, physical circumcision, and he's been a sexual slave. And, all. and we, you know, most comments are very appropriate. Some of them, when they subscribe or make comments, they're to porn sites, and I have to delete them. But yeah, I love those that are in pornography. I work with the children of child pornography and the pornographers. <laughs> And I had to love all of them. I've had them, when I come, I had a, a little booth in the flea market. I had a guy from Paris, France. He was getting ready to go out of town. He came on a Sunday and he said, I just want to say thank you for adopting me and loving me and my all the people. I take a lot of pictures and, you know, photography and stuff. And I'm flying back on a private jet. And I want to say thank you. I mean, I, I had some of the contact with some of the, World leaders, underground people, uh, business people, all over the world. I wasn't prepared for this in mental health counseling. You're prepared for 50 minutes and you follow your protocols. You're dealing with a sick person, right? You're dealing with somebody with a mental disease and you got 50 minutes and you better get them on medication, okay? Because you're basically the pecking order with psychiatrists, and they came under Rutgers medical doctors, then the psychologists, and then the master's level. And I just had so many experiences. I worked in a rehab hospital with inpatients with head injuries, spinal cord injuries, strokes. I had to work with people who had burned their bodies, missing limbs, children. I had to be able to work in situations, provide love. This one lady that she had, her husband had set her on fire. She was all wrapped in gauze. I had to walk into her room and minister to her as a licensed clinical mental health counselor. I had to pray just to look at her eyes. I had to be in emergency rooms as a chaplain. 
and people are dying. I had to talk to So I had experiences how to express love and calmness at the worst times. And I had to understand that people are in turmoil inside their spirit and their soul. They're scared. They're frightened. Uh, they live in a perpetual fear, you know, they're, and they, they don't trust and they don't trust anything. And uh, they're getting through life, you know, and they're using drugs, alcohol, everything. They don't feel wanted. They feel tainted and dirty and ugly. And nobody loves them, especially a mama. When a child grows in the womb of a mother, that's the first connection. When it comes out, typically the first eyes it looks at, the first voice, it's already heard mama's voice, heartbeat, mother. There's a bond there, supposed to be there. Now, they might hear the father's voice, but he's not the caretaker for most of the early years. The mother is. And that bond is supposed to be there provides the anchor, security, trust, communication. The mother's supposed to speak to the child and tell it its future and its purpose and its loved and wanted. And if that child is given over at any age and the father steps in and does abuse or other children or is sold into stuff, who do you think they're going to blame? Mama. Okay. They're not gonna blame. They're not gonna blame the man. He's just doing. Hey, he's loving. They're gonna blame mama for not protecting, for not providing, for not loving. So I discovered that people who have been sexually abused or any kind of trauma, they need to anchor from mama. They need to go back and let so themselves feel. What do you do like my situation where? Both my um, mother and father sexually abused me. Okay, there's no problem. How I would look at it is I would, I would look straight at the spirit, okay. And I would, and God would open my eyes to see the condition of the spirit. Is it one of light? Is it one in a jail cell? Is it living in torment? Is it battered, abused, or the demonic surrounded? Is it living in fear? Has it become an animal? I have to. I had to learn, study the condition of the spirit. Okay. Now God will bring me a great movie like The Matrix. The Neo. He's plugged into the Matrix. He's imagining a world in his mind, but his physical body was in a cube. How long did it take him to learn that he was the one? He had to have Morpheus in there. Morpheus means the god of the dreams. He had to have Trinity in there, somebody to love him, before he would believe he was in anything. So what you would do is, here's how it works in spirituality. would say, Victoria, when you believe in Christ Jesus, that mom and daddy, you're a new creature. That old you that was abused, it's dead. And gone. It does not exist anymore. You were never abused as a new creature in Christ. Now you need to be reconnected to a mama, a godly love. You need to be reconnected to a new father, the king of heaven. But the old parents, the earthly parents, they're not your parents anymore. You've never been abused. Well, that is the message I have to give to the spirits. 
and and then eventually the soul goes, oh, I believe in Christ Jesus and the word says all things are passed away and all things are new. The who I was does not exist anymore. The parents I had doesn't exist anymore because I'm going to live from my spirit to my soul. I'm not going to live from my biological parents and my soul and what happened to me. That's all in the grave, done and gone. Now I have to learn how to be a new me. And I went through this experience. I'm telling it on my videos now called It's Time. I was called Jan at one time. Oh, she was a horrible, wicked person. She had to die. It took me two years. And Deborah had to arise. And then I got tested. Satan would want to know, <laughs> let's get Jan back up. You lived in that house. Those were your parents. That's your husband. <gasps> you, I, I look at my husband and go, I didn't marry you. Jan married you. Deborah did not marry you. I'm already married, engaged to somebody else, spiritually. I didn't grow up in that house in another state. Jan did. So if I went by there, I would willingly open the door to my old me. And Jan would come out of the grave. I buried Jan in the grave. She would come back alive inside of me. And she'd rule the roost. And she was sinful, oh, icky person. And then people would come into my, I was in a spin class, and some guy that Jan knew from years ago came in there. I had a choice. I could walk up and say, hey, do you remember me? That Jan would have been back alive. I said nothing to him. Ran into a lady that Jan used to scuba dive with. She says, who are you? I said, I'm Deborah. Well, you look familiar. Now, if I had said, yes, I used to scuba dive with you, I willingly and in my own power brought Jan back alive. And Jan would then, as the word tells us, as you think in your heart, your mind, so you are. I battled this. I went through this. I had to become a new person in my own self. And it took two years, and then and then you get tested. So a survivor has got to, we'll say, that the who that got abused has to die and a new you has to be born again. Now, Victoria will tell you that a lot of healing came through the peer-to-peer because of love. That's where love starts bringing yeah. in newness I, of I life. Will say, I always say my sponsor loved me before I could love myself. That and is, she was a very, very loving person. And, that's uh, mama. When she, a baby uh, is born, yeah, yep. and I just want to mention too that, like, you know, the you mentioned the therapy, you know, the fifty minute thing, and then I go mm-hmm. back to what you said when you were working with that one person where you said, "I'll be here for you know, like pretty much as mm-hmm. long as you need me," and what a difference that is when somebody cares enough to just be there as you go through um, those emotions and those feelings, and I mean, she would just. You know, no matter what I said, mm-hmm. uh, no matter what I told her about myself, um, yeah, it didn't stop her. She, it yeah. didn't, yeah. Well, you know, she had she the agape love. Uh, yeah, she had that agape me. love, which is not mm-hmm. human love, right. operating in her, and she was yeah. giving it and anchoring you. Yep. Okay. 
But mm-hmm. that's not taught in mental health counseling. No. Mental health counselors don't do that. Right. Okay. It is and different. She, she told me, she said, uh, if you have a, a hateful, vengeful, punishing God, um, you can bar- borrow mine because it's loving, my higher power is loving mm-hmm. and caring. And mm-hmm. I mean, I can just remember her saying that and me just starting to cry, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, wow, mm-hmm. what a, you know, black and white difference. <laughs> we'll put mm-hmm. it that way. No, no, no. Right. gray lines there. <laughs> no, ma'am. And the yeah. thing is, uh, when you're doing sort of spirit work, I don't need to see you in the natural. I don't need to sit you in the office. Okay, I have a lot of people come to me in the spirit, and they just want to sit in my lap and while I rock, or they want to. I go to the garden, the, spirit, the Garden of Eden, every night spiritually. I, when I started moving out of my body, I go, "Oh, okay, this was not taught." And I heard other people start their spirits talking, and I go, okay, this is not taught. I must be crazy. But I realized Jesus could hear people's thoughts. So I go, okay, I'm going into the world of the occult. They leave their bodies. They call it bilocation, astral travel. I had to study it. Okay. It's natural. I had to study disassociation. What happens when a little child is being abused? Oh, okay, I read some horrible stories, true stories, about what they do to survive. And I asked God one time, I said, how come all these people got multiple personalities and they can disassociate and leave their bodies? He said, because I'm a multiple. I am anything I need to be. And I leave my body. I set my spirit down there. But the other part of me is up here. He said, I'm a multiple. Therefore, I gave that, I have that ability to be whatever I need to be. And I gave that gift to all of humanity. Now, they don't know it. It just happens. Okay? Yeah. Just, I they leave, they leave their... Because mm-hmm. I was diagnosed with 31 personalities. Okay. Now, and what not... happens is... What God and it was wants to do. Because, I, mm-hmm. like you said yep. before, I would not have survived if it wasn't for that. And uh, um, also in the 12 steps, it says that uh, we practice these principles in all our affairs, so it means you're using the steps in all areas of your life, be it mm-hmm. gambling, be it uh, mental health issues, be it whatever. Um, mm-hmm. These same spiritual principles work with yep. every single issue that there is. And, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't understand that at first, you know. No, you won't. Because, uh, All you needed was I that lady loving you. I needed a different book for that. For each different thing. But like you said, you know, <laughs> it, it all works together, um, the formula or whatever you want to say, you know, yeah. the spiritual, yeah. spiritual program. Yeah. And, uh, but that, I just, AA, yeah. like I said, it's been, I actually went to the guy's home, Frick. Up in Pittsburgh, who started mm-hmm. AA in this little house and stuff, and it was all Christian, mm-hmm. yeah. and it was all based on you know uh, what he went through, and mm-hmm. so uh, there's a wonderful history to that. It does have success, and it's proven mm-hmm. they took it into narcotics and cocaine. Mm-hmm. Now and they don't have anything like that for mental health or grief support. There's no AA in it. They kind of stuck AA over there with drug and alcohol. Okay. But they yeah, didn't do but it for mental health. There's a point that says there are those among us who have 
a great emotional mental disorders, but we can also okay. get help if we have the capacity to be honest with ourselves so you don't, and with our higher You self. don't at first. You don't. Here's what, the drug and alcohol doesn't fall under the psychiatrist. They're, they're dealing with a medical disease, an illness. Drug and alcohol is an addiction. Okay? Different. Mm-hmm. Psychiatrists don't deal with that. Mm-hmm. So AA stayed over there. But if you have somebody that's filled with depression, anxiety, disassociative identity, oh, that's a medical disease. Only a mm-hmm. psychiatrist or medically trained person. No, it's deal a spiritual. With and well, not the spiritual. That's right. So it got divided up. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I happened to learn both of them. But then God says, I want you to learn how to help people my way. It's not the way of the world and that stuff. But first he had to ask me what was my heart's desires, and I had to first learn what he wanted. And I teach on Isaiah 61 and 62 of the Bible. That's his desires. And he says, I only watch over my words that I've sent, and I'm only going to fulfill my words, not your words, not your thought, not your denominations, not your religions. But once I learned what he wanted, and I, I knew I had to grow up fast, and I was going to partner with him. I had never heard any of that. Well, I had to study hard, and I had to, oh, my gosh, I, I didn't know anything about the occult and witchcraft and Satanism and sacrifices and, you know, Black Sabbaths and heavy metal music and um, gay community and child abuse and pornography. and so I didn't know anything. Not taught in mental health counseling. You have no classes in any of this. You, uh, you know, human trafficking, nothing. Pornography, nothing. Okay, none of this is taught. I had learned, and it was me and God, and books and movies and stuff. And God, I, I love movies and dramas and history and archaeology. So God would use all kinds of things to teach me. Sometimes it was one movie. One thing, oh, okay, I got that. And so the years would go by, but what always was there is God loves them, has a plan for their life. But they, they, they cannot, it's like being a child born out of the womb. They don't connect with the father at first. They might hear his voice, his arms are different, but it's the mama that feeds him, changes him, wipes her butt. <laughs> it's up in the middle of the night, breastfeeding them, cuddling them carrying them on their back when they go out in the field. It's the mama, the mama, mama. Then the father gets introduced, and slowly the child builds a relationship with this deeper voice, bigger hands. But typically for the first few years, it's just the child is anchored and supported, encouraged. A lot of mamas speak to the child. Moses is a great example. He was uh, nursed by his mother the Hebrewite, the Levite, and then when he finished nursing, he was given to the princess of Egypt. During that time, he learned about the Hebrews, the Levites. That's what mamas do. They sit there and they talk to their little children while they're holding them in their arms at the breast. Good mother. With so, the, um, my mother huh? didn't breastfeed me. She gave me alcohol in my oh. bottle because she said she oh, yeah. could not handle children crying. 
So she put liquor in her bottles, and my biological father had forced her into prostitution, and he was the one that Mm -hmm. took caretaking and Mm -hmm. sexual abuse during that childhood before I did. Okay, so you see that parents, even though they can biologically have children, don't know how to raise children. I had to right. study, I did court I taught court ordered parenting classes for abused parents of that abuse their kids. There's no parenting classes and how to work with a parent in your mental health counseling room. Okay? There's not any there. Nobody takes parenting classes in high school. I think we had some sexual reproduction stuff, but there's nothing about the emotions. Kids are having babies. Nobody knows how to parent. They don't know the needs of the child. Give them a bottle. Give them alcohol. It's done all the time because we want the baby to sleep through the night, you know, blah, blah. We don't want to get up. We want to do our own thing. But the biological body is capable of having, you know, as soon as everybody hits puberty, a baby. And uh, so there was so much lack of what I ran into to bring healing to people into their systems. But they needed to be anchored by a mama. They Not a sexual love, okay? I had a lot of them try to do that. Oh, no, it's not that kind. It had to be like, you're just born, baby. You're just a little infant, can't even talk. You just need to be cuddled. You need to hear your precious, your sweet. God loves you. I love you. You are our child. You are not dirty. Candy, I think I told you about her and James. She actually brought to me in the on the phone. She called me every night for three or four years. Did major uh, healing and deliverance work with her. She brought me this little baby one night. She's on the phone, and I hear her start crying and whimpering. And God opened up my spirit, and I saw she was handing me a little bloody baby. What was that? It was part of her, part of her disassociation, mm-hmm. part of her early childhood. And I took it. I'm, a, I'm using my voice, okay? I said, sure. I'll take, I'll take you, Candy. I'll take you. I'll hold you in my arms. I'll clean you up. You're so precious. Let's clean you up, sweetie, and hold you and love you. All through my voice on the phone. I'm doing work on a part of her that's so deep. But she trusted me with herself at that Mm -hmm. age. Right. She trusted me. When I was working with James, I said, you go talk to Candy. And see if Candy will give you permission, James, to go take a break. I'm asking Candy, through James, Candy has to give the permission for James to take a break. But Candy had to decide for herself, I will give up protecting myself. And Mm -hmm. I will take a chance on this Jesus who my mama says is okay, that loves me. I'll give him the chance. Don't know who he is. Okay? Just for 24 hours. So I had to respect the system that was inside of Candy, the disassociative system. I had to respect mm-hmm. every part that was in it. I had to learn that there were dark side parts that served Satan. There were light yeah. side parts out in Christianity. There were business people, architectures. They go to church and they serve in the the dark stuff. Okay, at the same time. 
And it was difficult, and it wasn't taught in mental health counseling. But I was doing, still do deep work in there, okay? AA, like when you went, Victoria, because of that love, they're doing deep stuff to help you, right. but you don't know it. You didn't know it, okay? No, you were sure felt it. <laughs> no, we sure felt different. Okay. <laughs> At first, you know, it was really scary, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, have you but got any I questions? The, I was in the psychiatric ward, and uh, yeah. uh, because before that, um, well, I had been before, but I, at this one point, mm-hmm. I started crawling around on my hands and my knees, and I would end up in the corner, and I'd be shaking and whimpering. No, I didn't know mm-hmm. this was going on because, you know, it's associated. No, you're, but the my husband saw yeah. this happening, and he would tell me, and I'd yeah. be like, no, no way. You know, that. Okay, whatever. well, let me tell you a story. I had a young girl, Amanda, sure. live in my house, brought yeah. her in, and I go in her room, and she is got clothes on, but she's under her bed. And I said, sweetie, what's going on? I don't have any clothes on. I'm naked. You know, she's hiding. She's scared. And But she's got clothes on. But it was a disassociative part. I said, that's no problem, honey. What kind of clothes would you like me to get you? I said, I want one. I said, okay. And I said, here, reach out. And I, I put my empty hand, you know, in the natural, under the bed. She took it. I said, mm-hmm. put them on. And then you come on out. I had to learn how to work with those. Once yeah. you sucked their thumbs, once you had attitudes, once they tried to kill me, once it were close to demonic spirits, I mm-hmm. had to learn to do the deep work. But I also used mental health. I knew about, you know, communication and and always said, hey, you know, go talk to counselors, go into a program, because they weren't going to hurt you, you know, and they had a lot of good stuff in programs. Most of these people don't do and so it was it was wonderful. But Philip, have you got any more questions? We're getting close to the end. Are you still there? No, um, might be gone. Philip has Philip has dropped. Okay. Mhm. So what happens, Victoria, is helping people heal from childhood trauma, sexual mm-hmm. abuse storms that are happening, all these floods and stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, the holidays, the families, takes a lot of mm-hmm. education on the the person who's going to do the healing. That lady that helped you, she'd been mm-hmm. through AA. She knew what to do. It just comes naturally now. You need love, Victoria. But she was a very know. spiritual, very, very spiritual uh, person, too, you know. Yes, and see, that's not taught in that, you know, health counseling. That, yeah. She had a higher power because I knew I knew what her you know religion and what it is. It's coming through. It's coming through her. Right. She's like a light beam to you. Now in mental health, when we don't get that, and pastors and churches don't talk about this kind of healing. I'll give you scriptures, Mm -hmm. but it's usually men who don't want to admit that there's any problem. Okay, and so it, it takes sort of people outside of the normal system, like mental health, to get the work done right. and um, to be the uh, people out here. We used to have a saying in mental health counseling, sometimes you're talking to your neighbor over your back fence, you get healed right there with them. You don't even have to go mm-hmm. to a counselor. 
Yeah. Some people get healed just going to church, hearing praise and worship, hearing us, mm-hmm. God does a work in there. How I also learned about God is that he works in when you're sleeping. You can get saved in your dreams. Yep. Yep. Okay? No, that's not taught either in mental health counseling. Mm-mm. But people's lives can I, turn I around. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something that mental health counseling did for me that uh, that wasn't good. <laughs> I was depressed and I was suicidal, and their solution to that was to give me shock treatments. Okay, yes. the shock that treatments was, that was a, did not yeah, take yeah, away. Yeah. The shock treatments did not take away all the bad things, but it okay. took what it wanted. It chose what it wanted to take, and it took many memories of my children yes. when they were young, and they okay. would bring things up, and I would start crying because I couldn't okay. remember. And so they stopped right. bringing things up and let me bring okay. it up. Okay, that was a big – I did an article for NASCA years ago. The history of treating mental illness shock treatment was one of them because what they realized, there was something wrong with your brain, your biological mm-hmm. brain, and they were going to shoot yeah. this electricity through it, thinking yeah. it's either going to kill stuff, destroy stuff, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, get something started that needs to be jump started, and they didn't really know all the damage that would get well, done until then. Because I got people yeah. asking me what I think about it, and I said it take, picks and chooses what it wants to take away. I have short term. It doesn't really. It doesn't really pick and choose. It's just electricity going through yeah. the brain, and mm-hmm. it, it's it's at at high power, and it destroys some things and pathways yeah. and. And, and yep. it doesn't pick, okay? But they, uh, st- it, it was, it's a form it, under uh, the medicine and psychiatrists because they don't yep. know what to do, Victoria. They're right. trying to and help people. And they're still doing it, and it's not yes. something that I want people to know. It's not something in the past. They're still doing it, and yep. uh, and they probably. And the thing is, is that it it affects my memory even today uh, because yes, of the damage that, that was listen, done. Okay, now listen to me. If Mm -hmm. you're going to be spiritual and healed, you have to say this. Oh, all the memories the old me had, they're gone. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. need them. Right. I am making new memories now. Right. But you can talk about biofeedback, say, yes, the old me who was sexually abused, they believed mm-hmm. in shock treatment, and I didn't know enough about mm-hmm. it. And the old me lost a lot of memories. But now the new me, I am a new creature in Christ. I am building new memories with Christ. And all that old stuff, I don't care about it. I don't right. need it, blah, blah, blah. So it's a different way of language. But, yes, they still do, and many other things. But they don't talk. Yeah. That's really also not taught in your mental health classes. It's taught if you get under a neuropsychologist or a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. and there's other treatments that they do because they believe it's all in your biological brain. And mm-hmm. if they can give it medication, if mm-hmm. they can do surgery like the lobotomies, the trepanning, mm-hmm. the electric shock, LSD, psychiatric drugs, They'll solve mm-hmm. your problems, and your right. feelings will be solved, and you will be a normal citizen, and you won't mm-hmm. cause any problem. You won't do mass murders. You won't rape, kill anybody. Go away. Yep. Just live your life. 
That's basically yeah. what we're trying to do. Now, I got about 8.23. Yeah, got about I do too. seven minutes to close us out and mm-hmm. do all whatever you need to do. And I appreciate mm-hmm. your back and your feeling better. And yeah. glad that Philip I do came. Want to say that. I, call them, I call them my voluntary force shock treatment because they said, if you sign this paper that you volunteer, yeah. then A lot of times, believe it or not, Okay, they let do me that finish. As okay. We... So they said, beyond... if you voluntarily sign the paper, we will not take your children away. That's why I call voluntary okay. force. Yes, yeah, yes. And they use that because a lot of times they are they think they're protecting the children. They'll use that to threaten you. But also a lot of research is done, and they need subject matters and stuff. A lot of this was done up in Canada, a lot of all kinds of drug treatment on prisoners and stuff. Mm-hmm. So a lot of stuff happens, um, you know, it, that mm-hmm. wasn't approved. CIA did a lot of stuff. The government does a lot of stuff, you know, and they need uh, the researchers do a grant, and they need somebody like you to be the participant, so they'll threaten you with the kids, and they'll get all the information and pass it up the line. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's government it's Secret Service, it's CIA, it's all kinds of warfare well, stuff. And then after they asked me if I was still depressed, well, you know what? I said, no, I'm not depressed. And the only reason I said that was because I didn't want no more shock treatments. But that is what yeah. was reported, that I'm not depressed oh. anymore. You know, so yeah. that adds to their uh-huh. statistics, you know. There's a lot above the medical community, like I said, I had to study uh, psychic roamers in Vietnam. Men would leave their bodies and record. Mm-hmm. Men who said we could stare at goats if we take LSD. They did a lot of LSD treatments with people trying to get new kind of soldiers. All kind, and that's just it's in universities, it's in hospitals, psychiatric grants, and that was another level. <laughs> and a lot of people have been used, you know, in that. And um, just it's not nice and stuff. And then there was certain parts. Yeah, we've got four minutes left. We got four minutes left. You go ahead and if you would share one more time um, your contact information, that would be very helpful. Okay, my phone number is eight five zero five zero one five zero four zero. Please leave a message because I don't answer my phone. My email is Pastor Deborah, all low caps at agapeloveishere.org. They can get me on the YouTube channel of the Hidden Kingdoms. Uh, They can make comments. I'm on LinkedIn, I think, at Pastor Deborah and Twitter. And Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of times I'm doing, you know, um, that, but a lot of it's just done spiritually. And uh, I haven't been in a mental health office, you know, in, I don't know, 30 years or more. But mm-hmm. it's different. You can get some healing. AA, you know, the, the 12 steps are excellent, but they're not in the mental health world. They're in the drug and alcohol. And mm-hmm. you're under, you know, they look at you different over in the mental health world. You're, you have a mental illness, illness, disease, and you're, mm-hmm. in, and you're in the medical field versus the addiction field. So it's a little different. But you go ahead. It's 827. you got three minutes yeah. to close this out mm-hmm. and play the music. Yep. Well, That's I appreciate I'm, I'm right here. I'm right here. Okay. okay. I would like to finish one more thing. Um, 
I like saying the uh, serenity prayer that NASA does on the Zoom meetings, which I want to mention, that we have uh, Zoom support, peer support groups on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sunday, which you can find out the information on uh, the NASA website again. And uh, the other serenity prayer, besides the one some people know, is uh, the NASCA one, which is, please grant me the serenity to stop beating myself up for not doing things perfectly, the courage to forgive myself because I always try my best, and the wisdom to know that I am a good person with a kind heart. And I just wanted to, I always try to share that at the end. And Carol, I'll let you uh, finish out at the very end Yeah, here. no problem, no problem. Listen, uh, it was a good show. I was in and out, okay, listening. And, um, you know, Pastor Deborah, I want to thank you very much for all of your insight, all your wisdom, and certainly all of your education, okay? And uh, you have a lot that people can certainly learn from, and you and I have good conversations. So um, you'll be on again next month, same time, right? Well, I think I'm on in a couple of weeks, the fourth Tuesday oh. of this every month. I have to look at the schedule. Okay, I have to look at the yeah, schedule. Yeah, that's my normal. That's my normal time, the fourth Tuesday of every month. I think I'm okay. filling in for somebody here. You're filling in, yeah, because we didn't have a guest tonight. So we appreciate yeah, filling but you in. Know, yeah, very yeah, if much you need so. me to fill in, I'm okay. <laughs> I'll be back in a couple of weeks. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this down now, and um, we'll see you again tomorrow. Good night, God bless, and uh, be careful. Love Talk Radio.